This week's Physio Foundations podcast is part two of my conversation with sports physio and physio educator and pelvic health researcher Jody Dakik from Monash University Physiotherapy. And this time around, we're going to be talking about the mindset that you need to have when you approach your learning at any level and why this matters more than the content and even the assessment of that learning. Welcome back to the Physio Foundations podcast for another week where we talk about the knowledge and skills that provide the foundation of expert clinical practice. So this is part two of my chat with Jody, sports physiotherapist, physio educator, pelvic health researcher. So if you want an introduction to Jody, you can go back to episode 37 where Jody talks all about her experience and background and foundations leading up to this point in time. But for now, let's just continue the conversation. We're going to be talking about the education part of Jody's role and physio education. So Jody, welcome back to Physio Foundations round two. Thanks, Luke. Nice to be back. So the title of this episode is going to be, you know, it's subject to change. We could change this title, but I thought of focus on the learning and the results will follow. So this is really an episode aimed for not just our students, but and not just physio students, health professional students, perhaps in general, but it could also be for anybody. We could name it lifelong learning, but it's the sort of title that it's a bit vague. I think that's, that actually covers it well. If you focus on the learning, the results will follow. Um, let me throw you in the deep end, just asking you what you think of the title. <laughs> we, now, for, for listeners, we, Jody and I work together. We've, um, we work together at Monash Unit Physiotherapy and a lot of our role is physio education. So we work really closely with students. We work closely together and we develop assessments. We develop curriculum. We teach together and a big part of a set, a big part of, um, students experience is their assessments. Okay. They have to pass exams and we find that year after year, there's a lot of focus of students on their assessments. They get very driven by and worried and stressed out by their assessments. And of course, seeing the bigger picture, we really want them to focus on the learning and let the results follow, but that's easier said than done. So I wanted to talk to Jody about that. So Jody, yeah. what, what do you think we're talking about today? <laughs> so I agree with you. I think it's, um, it's always a real challenge and you can understand why students are focused on the assessment because mm. we assess them mm. and when they get marks and 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 it's easy as a as a um student but as a human when you're being assessed on something to worry about the outcome of that um but i think you know the, the students that um we see do really well uh at university uh also have in their mind um a lot that they're doing a course that leads to a profession mm. and that that profession is really the, the goal. The goal is to become a physio in this case or whatever health professional course you're doing. Uh, and so the skills that you need to do that are more than just something you can write down on a piece of paper. Mm. Um, and so the practising of those skills and um, and the um the regular sort of attending to 
what we sometimes refer to as those soft skills in physiotherapy. So, um, and when I talk about that, I'm talking about, you know, your communication skills, your professionalism, the language that you use, the, the rapport and the empathy and the trust that you build with patients. All of those sort of skills uh, are things that we're also teaching. Um, and, and sometimes as a student, it can be hard to, to keep a track of those. Sometimes you're so focused on whether you can remember the, the uh, insertion of the uh, biceps um, and, and whether you can be able to remember that in an exam that you, that you forget that it's part of a bit of bigger picture of making you a mm. an effective and, and and safe health professional that's competent yeah. and that has the, the skills that are needed. It's very easy for us to say, well, focus on the learning. But like you said there, if there's an assessment there, you do need to focus on it. I think I've made the point a couple of times here that um, if you're entering a university degree from high school, the whole focus has been the last couple of years of high school um, has been your grades. If you're aiming for a course like physiotherapy or medicine or, or any of those courses that need a high um, a high school mark. And then everyone's in on it. The teachers, your parents, you, and, and that's the, the focus. You're learning for assessments. And then you come to university and then your first year lecturers are telling you, hey, you've got a career in ahead of you. The reason we're here is to develop a whole broad range of skills and personal development and eventually become a professional. It's hard to make that shift in their mindset from um, being focused on the biceps insertion or whatever else, whatever other examples we could give to thinking about those bigger picture things. So I think you're spot on there. What we want to focus on here is what do the students who do really well in entry to practice physiotherapy courses from our experience of many years working with students, what do they do well? And what could you do if you're a student or a lifelong learner in any other context, what could you do well? What could you take from that? Um, so one, a couple of things you mentioned there were um, professionalism and communication skills and critical thinking skills. What about, what if we talk about some of that hidden curriculum that's behind the scenes. So you might be learning some content, some anatomy, physiology, physio theory, um, whatever you're learning, research skills. The, you know, the main reason for going to university, in, as far as I can see it, is to learn how to critically think and learn how to learn. Because everything you learn in university is going to be redundant at some stage, right? It's not about the content. And the assessments are a point in time assessment, largely of your conscientiousness and how organized you are with your study skills, right? So, I mean, what do you think, Jody? What's the, what are the learning skills that, that you see that lead to success? Yeah, I think um, there's a few different areas that I think are really important and probably unique to health professional education. Um, I guess one of the, the key things that I think we need to keep in mind is that we are training students for a practical professional degree. So they're going to go out there and practice something, clinical practice, uh, and, and and the name implies one of the key strategies I think that we, we need to encourage students is that you need to practice <laughs> if you're going to yeah. practice physiotherapy. So mm. um, it's one thing to understand the theory of um an exercise, for example, if we took an exercise as an example, you're prescribing an exercise for someone, it's one thing to understand what the exercise should be or theoretically understand the dosage. 
the difference between being able to do that to a moderate degree or to be really, really successful and have a patient that is motivated and adherent um, is going to be the delivery of that. And that comes down to understanding the patient, being able to communicate effectively, understanding what their challenges are, what their, their goals are. And we talk about that sort of patient-centered care. Um, so being able to make sure that they've understood you to that, that the exercise is appropriate, that you've gained some feedback on that. So these are all the, the skills that we, we really encourage to roll out, you know, practical sessions, but they take practice for them to become, um, automatic embedded. And in my opinion, those sort of skills, um, uh, you know, the difference between being a, a good physio or a really, really great physio is that the ability to really um, work with and develop that rapport and trust with your patient, to listen effectively, to understand their world. So I think that's one of the things that's important um, about a health professional degree is that that element of practice and real practical skills that mm. can't all be learned from just sitting behind your desk um, in your bedroom on your own studying. You need to get out there with people and talk to different students in the course, talk to the lecturers, watch the role modelling of your peers, of older students, of, of educators. Um, I think the other thing that's different from year 12 often that some of our students struggle with that transition is just that that it is a more independent style of learning. So um, being organised, having time management skills well laid out, looking for the information so trying to find and solve those problems yourself um uh, when you're I guess when you're in high school you you know you go into class every day and you see your teacher every day and you can just ask a question um at university it's the start of building that ability to learn independently because when you are out as a physio uh, and you see a patient and you think wow that's something I've never seen before I need to go and do some research on that and I need to try and solve this problem because I haven't seen that condition before you need to be able to think, okay, clinically, what is the problem? What are their main problems? What do I need to know? Uh, and you need to be able to go out and seek that information. And whether it's going and talking to a mentor, whether it's talking to some to other clinicians, whether it's doing, you know, a search on Google Scholar and looking up what's been done for evidence-based practice in the past. But problem solving is a huge part of physio. Actually, the thing I love the most about physio is that is the problem solving is yeah. is trying to sort out what's going on and how you can best help someone and and that starts from day one of physio we encourage our students to be critical thinkers and problem solvers um, you know our case based learning is all built around that so it's it's um, starting to develop that that thought I've got a problem how can I solve it what can I do what are the steps that I could do to try and solve this and it can be little things like just trying to understand what assessments are due all the way up to really trying to solve a really complex case um, mm. and, but there's skills of being an independent and critical thinker that are yeah. really important as a health professional so good such a good summary so let's talk about conscientiousness and I don't think you get into a course without a high level of conscientiousness, but of course you need to be maintaining that. And it's about where that's applied and being strategic with how you are, your study skills and when you're conscientious as well. So mm -hmm. how do you think from your experience, what you've seen, and I can add my two cents as well, how do you think that students' attitude and their engagement and their conscientiousness with the little things, all the little things and the big things as well in those foundational years of university relates to how they're going to enjoy their career and how successful they'll be in their career and the jobs they'll get um, in the future, irrespective of grades and marks. 
How, how do the little things that, con- that you need conscientiousness to say yes to, how do they all add up? Yeah, I think um, physiotherapy and in any health professional course, but physiotherapy, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small world, isn't it? Mm. Like there's, um, you, you're constantly running into people that you've met along the pathway, whether that's, you know, um, I'm currently, if I think about my colleagues currently, I'm working with people I went to uni with. I'm working with people that taught me at uni. Um, I'm working with people that I taught at uni. <laughs> yep. So it's a small world um, and you want to start to practice that professionalism from day one. Now, that doesn't mean that um, you can't have fun. Mm. Yeah, that's a good but point. You, it's, it's not you meant about- to have fun. Uni's yeah. fun. Absolutely. But, and sometimes I'd, I'd extend that and say sometimes there's not enough fun. Yeah. And you'll have you have to have fun. Absolutely, you you make great friends and you great create great memories, and that's important. But I think it's also important um, from day one when you when you're in class or when you're communicating with your your peers and your colleagues um, to remember that um, you know these are, these are your future colleagues that you're working with, and these are the people that that might you might walk in one day and they're going to be on an interview panel, or you're going to be reaching out for a job and that's the person that you're reaching out to. So I think you want to um, you want to be able to also display from day one that that level of um, you know good strong communication, um, professionalism, um, knowing when there's a time and a place, and um, and just I guess um, being a collaborator, being someone who mm. who people want to work with, um, and um, it's a big adjustment to to think of yourself um, as not only a student but also a future health professional. Uh, and that's how we think of our students. I mean, we look at them and we know they're going to be our colleagues, and that's what that's how we think of them. Um, you know, sometimes I, you know, we, when we're not necessarily thinking, oh, you're a student, we're thinking you're the future of physio and this is, this. you're going to be a professional and our job is to make sure that you reach that competency and you have all the skills and knowledge that you need to be an amazing physio and keep this great profession going. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think um, making sure that that when you are engaging with those skills in prep class or in a tute or in wherever you are at university in a class, it's important that you start to practice those sort of skills. Uh, and then, you know, by all means also have fun when you're when you when you're out of class. It's important. Hopefully some students are listening to this and there's every chance they're not, especially this time of year. But you know, they may come back to this in the future. So if, if we have to have high expectations. So in a way we're teaching foundational content, you're in first year, you might've left, just left school. And yes, Jody's right. You have to have fun. And and then you need to know where the limit is as well and, and come into your class and say, oh, I'm, I'm here to do a job as well. You almost treat it like a full-time job where you've got a hundred other, depending on the size of your course, a hundred other like-minded students who are going to be future colleagues of yours that you'll go through with. And as Pat was saying a few episodes ago about how he still, he's been to lots of engagement parties and weddings for at his stage of life for lots of people he went to university with and how important that is to build that culture and, and that experience with people as you go through. It's not just about grinding away and passing exams. Look, unplanned question. Why do we have assessments, Jody? 
Why do we have assessments in the university? If I'm saying that the learning is the most important thing, I don't think that's a controversial statement and lifelong learning is something you have to do or don't be a health professional because the thing is changing the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not controversial. Everyone would agree with that. So why, why do we assess things? And why do we have competency-based assessments for an entry to practice course? Yeah. What's the perspective of an educator? Well, I guess the, the bottom line is that um, it's an entry to practice course that's externally accredited. Mm. Uh, so you come out of physiotherapy degree and you register as a physiotherapist uh, and there are certain expectations of competencies that you have to be able to be a practicing physiotherapist so you know the assessment is built around ensuring that people have achieved that competency that they'll be effective that they'll be safe that they'll meet the professional requirements of a of a degree Uh, and I think the other thing, as you said, you know, you're going out and you're trying to develop skills for lifelong learning. Um, and this is a way of, a, of I guess, um, a checkpoint to ensure that you are developing those skills to be able to independently learn because that's the expectation. I mean, I think it's the one of the things that I love the most about my job is that we're constantly learning, you know, mm-hmm. still. Um, you, you really shouldn't stop learning as a professional, obviously, as a professional there's the as a physio there's requirements for professional development for the for your registration yeah yeah, good point but also um you know often often the reason that people go into these sort of degrees that are that are high performing degrees they're hard to get into is because they do enjoy learning because they they enjoy the mental stimulation of learning and so you want to make sure that you're developing the skills so that you know how to learn as well, so that you can find information, so that you can critically appraise that information, so that you know when to apply it. And, and so I think um, the assessment is also geared around ensuring that people are learning independent learning skills. Mm. So if you're a student and you have a couple of grades or units that you get less marks that, that you hoped for in that, and you're devastated by that, what would you say to that student in terms of how, how, I guess a better question would be how important is that are your grades, your actual grades and marks in university for future jobs, for you, in your case, applying for a PhD program, I'd argue that they're overrated, but what they're, they're there for a reason to assess competency, but in terms of passing or failing, fine. How, how important is it if that you get a 79 versus an 81? Is that going to change anything in the future? Mm, it's a it's it's a good question. So I, I can see both sides of the the coin. Like as you said, mm. it depends on what you're exactly wanting to do. So you know, yeah. if you want to trans, if you want to transfer into a PhD degree, then yes, your grade point bottom line is yes, your grade point average or your your WAM. They are important. Yeah, because yep. that that is one of the criteria that you're assessed on. Is it mm. or is it insurmountable? Can it be overcome if you don't achieve it? Of course. Mm. Um, there are I don't other want to. Mm, I don't want to devalue the wham, the GPA, the marks in that mm. way. I just, I guess, I'm arguing that they're overvalued at times. It, mm. Maybe a better, a better argument would be that it's not that they're not valuable, but if they come at the expense of the learning, and they create so much stress that you don't really have a happy, good memory of university, then to me, that's a major problem. Yeah, I think. Um, 
you know, in the last episode, we talked about um, some of the challenges of being a health professional. And um, I don't think there'd be many health professionals in globally, <laughs> but if we're thinking about Australia, because that's where we are, um, that haven't been challenged over the last couple of years in some way personally. It's, it's been a challenging job. Mm. Um, you know, global pandemics tend to be challenging on health professionals. And so um, part of the learning that needs to occur at some point um, as you transition into that adult independent style of learning is personal. So it's about how you handle challenges. It's about um, learning to be resilient. It's about learning how to manage your own health and and you know as you know Luke because we you you've done an amazing job of of working on this curriculum over the last couple of years a lot of the learning that we teach students and you know we off we often get this feedback um is about how to how to care for yourself and your own health your, your mental health your physical health and well-being mm. um, so that you can care for others um, and um, often our first years do these health enhancement curriculum that we that we give, which teaches strategies for being a, a resilient um, um, person that can manage really challenging situations. Um, and they don't really get it in first year. They think it's a bit of a waste of time. They can't see the relevance. And then we get the feedback that come third or fourth year when they're out on clinical rotations. Oh, wow. Okay, now I understand why we were mm. learning all of that. And so, you know, if you can start practicing those strategies from day one in terms of um, managing stress and managing pressure um, and how you're your best self in those environments, then, you know, they're important skills to learn as an adult. Um, and this is a, it is a challenging degree uh, and um, students are challenged, but the, the goal is to try and learn about yourself, how you manage those challenges and what you personally need to be able to, to handle that environment. And mm. we don't want to see students that are, that are really struggling and obviously there's lots of supports at the university and we're always there to support. But also, um, you know, those envi that environment is a good opportunity to start to consider, wow, if I got really, 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 really distressed by that first semester or first year of uni, what do I, what, what could I do? What do I need to, what support do I need? And what, what am I looking for to start to manage um, that, those, those, that, that anxiety. Rather than just revving the engines harder, need to look, think more broadly and look, what else can you do? What could you do differently? What supports can you draw on? Mm, because that's exactly what you need to do as an autonomous health professional. You yeah. know, you, you reminded me of something that our colleague Mick Storr said um, to students and to me. Uh, he said it a few times in terms of the difficulties of when you're teaching and when you're learning in first year as a novice learner and you're thinking about things that will impact you as a on clinical placements or in the future as a physiotherapist. It's a long way away, particularly if you're 18 years old. And his analogy was something like, imagine if you were learning all the different requirements of a Broadway actor, how to sing, how to dance, um, what the stage looks like, everything that would go together in the show, but you'd never seen a show and you didn't know what it was like. And of course, that's why you have clinical practice, clinical placements. In the last episode, you talked about the importance of students going out and doing other work, perhaps as a sports trainer, because he was talking about a sports physio and a lot of our students in the holidays will work as allied health assistants or um, even medical receptionists or, um, or, 
work experience. And this, there's a lot you can do to go and see a few shows and get that experience. But I mean, you don't really get it until you require those life skills, that professionalism, until, you, until you're getting paid. It's easy to, and the other thing is when you're in university as a student, it certainly was the case for me and it's what I observe in our students, there's a culture and there should be a really good culture. You go to university and you should have a really good group of friends and talk to as many different people as you can. But there's a bit of a culture that you and some group think that goes on behind the scenes and, you, you know, you work, make your way through the, you know, the early years of the course and uh, perhaps consensus can be a strong thing in any group and consensus is that uh, this doesn't matter too much, particularly maybe that health enhancement program or those personal professional skills that you're learning until you have to go out into the workforce and actually apply it. And then you realize, oh, okay, okay, that does make sense. That's why they were teaching us that. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's something I think that's been a real um, key factor that um, has been integrated not only into our course but into lots of health professional courses is that awareness that um, health professionals do need to develop the, the, the personal skills to deal with um, challenging situations, with pressure, with adversity, um, with challenging situations that their patients might find themselves in or that the professional might find themselves in in dealing with patients. Um, and, and that's a big part of the learning that we want our students to achieve is, is starting to consider the skills that um, you might need if you find yourself in a challenging situation. And, you know, I'm sure we could all sit here and share many, many really challenging situations that we've had over the years and, and um, what we've learned from each of those, but also the skills, the personal skills that you require to be able to ensure that you deal with those and still, um, still enjoy what you do and that it doesn't become overwhelming. Mm. Uh, it's a really important conversation. There's so many... There's so many more episodes we could do on just this. And this is where I can bring the students in because I've got student episodes and new grade episodes planned where they can tell us their perspectives as well, which is really important. What about if we think more broadly, and it could include these personal um, self-management skills. It could include anything. It's the big broad question that I ask everybody whenever I have the chance. What are the most important foundational knowledge and skills for a physiotherapist from your perspective? Mm. Um, to me, what makes, I think there's two things that make a really, really great physio. Um, one of the things that I think is really, really important is that um, you can get the information you need from your patient. And to be able to get that information, um, there's a lot of things that patients are considering before they tell you stuff about themselves. Um, and so it's about your ability to communicate. Um, it, it can be both the questions that you ask and that you think to ask, but also, um, you know, even, even just considering simple skills like your body language, um, the, the manner that you talk to somebody trying to make sure that you are listening really, really effectively and actively listening um, and that you're critically, always critically appraising what's being said to you. 
um, and how is that piece of information really, really important? Um, mm. Why is my patient telling me that? Um, and what am I going to do with that information? Um, because it can become quite easy as a physio um, when you've seen a condition a lot of times or you've um, had someone come in with knee pain for many, many years to jump to the most obvious conclusion. But I think that's often where mistakes happen um, in that you really, really want to make sure that you've really, really listened to what's going on and you've considered all the, all the possibilities, all the possible diagnosis and you're you know, you're collecting information to be able to critically analyse and rule out, rule things out. I think that's what makes a really, really great physio. Um, it's something. hard to do when you're stuck in your own head, isn't it? Mm, it's really hard to do, I think. Mm. Um, and, um, I, you know, some of my key mentors and role models over the years, that's the thing that I've really admired about them is their um their ability to really relate to a broad range of patients to adapt their style of communication and their type of questions they ask, the language that they use, the, the even the tone of their voice or the volume of their voice to match the person that they're talking to so that that person feels comfortable and willing to share and, and therefore you get the information from that patient that will allow you to effectively diagnose, you know, learn about their problems, understand their goals and therefore be able to manage them effectively. I think that those things are really, really important, crucial skills that are um, that you can only get from practice, really. Mm, from practice. Really. You start yeah. off practising with your peers and your other students and getting to know different ways that you might talk to them and then you expand that once you get into clinical rotations, clinical practice. And and um, to me, I think, you know, that those are some of the really important things that are that are hard to learn, um, but important to practice because, as you said, often we're focused so much on the, the theory on, you know, um, your anatomy or your physiology. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. They're really important. But um, sometimes we undersell um, how, or not undersell, I don't think we undersell it, but perhaps it's undervalued initially in those foundational years how important those other skills are. It's not just the questions that you ask, it's how you ask them. And then yeah. the thinking that's going on about what, why they're telling you this, why they're telling you this now as well. Yeah. Why is it important to them and what you're going to do with that information? Absolutely. More exactly. than a list of questions. Sometimes there is a list of questions though, that just, you just need to ask red flag questions. Yeah. You're still calling them those. Absolutely. Screening questions. Sometimes there's things that just ask it, make sure it happens. Even if it's a, on a questionnaire, just, you know, let's make sure we screen for this and that. But you're talking about more when you want to make a pers interpersonal connection with somebody. You really mm. want to connect with them and you want them to tell you things that they haven't been able to tell the other three health professionals they've seen before you. And you want to, who doesn't want to be that person who helps someone that no one else could because that's your job, right? You want to help people. And... It's not going to happen if you just go have a list of questions and the next one in your head and be robotic. Yeah. So the key thing there is practice. Mm -hmm. If you're a novice learner, you, do, you can understand it theoretically. You can practice it once or twice and you won't get there without a lot of practice. Yeah, yep. And I guess mm. just challenging your thought patterns as well is, is important. It's that real critical thinking of, Yes, this might seem like the obvious diagnosis, but have I actually ruled out all the other possibilities or am I just jumping to the first conclusion? 
because that's mm. what it's been often in the past. Um, I think it's always really important that you um, are really considering all of the different possibilities and ruling those out with good good questions or good assessment, that real critical thinking. So important. I worked with a um, few years after I graduated um, with a physio, Peter Selvratnam, who you may know, Luke, I think you know, who's an amazing, was an amazing mentor and he um, he was a fabulous example of really making sure that he took the time to get to know the patients and understood exactly what was going on and asking a lot of questions. I learned a lot, questions I would never have thought to ask um, and, how, and their relevance and why I was asking that real critical thinking, really important. And of course that's advanced, but it can, it starts at day one. Mm. You don't just go and tick along and pass some exams and get some grades and, and then one day in the future you become an expert. It's a linear almost maybe not linear, but it's a, it's a developmental process and it starts with that attitude, that conscientiousness and the practice, the work ethic. And then the more you practice, the easier it is to get out of your own head though as well. It's the same with anything. If you're learning the piano or you're learning tennis or you're learning some, some new skill, it's really robotic and there's neurological reasons for that. And you're sitting there and you're just thinking about the, the next button you're going to press or the next thing you're going to say. And the more you practice, the more you can let go of that and actually just listen to the other person. What are they trying to tell you? Why are they telling me this? What else do I need to know? I think that was a really good answer to that question. Thank you. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. So that's, um, we, you know, there's more episodes coming up with Jody. I finally got you on the podcast and it's, uh, this is the thing. I, um, when you know somebody, you know, all the work they're doing, you feel a bit bad inviting them on and say, I, cause you're displacing some other work that you, that you're supposed to be doing. So I really appreciate your time and, and I'm sure all the listeners do as well. It's really good to hear from you. I think in the last episode, especially there's some things in there, particularly around your elite sport that you do, that you did for many years that you're not a show off person. Hey, look at me. Uh, did you know? And you don't go around telling people about your achievements and things you're doing as well. So that, um, that adds to this, but also we don't have a lot of time to reflect and people may not know those, the, you know, that part of your work, um, history and experience. So it's really good that you could share some of that with us and, um, get your perspectives on physio education. There's more we can talk about, but final thoughts, anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this thing up? Hmm. I don't think so. I think that, that that's um, fine. I guess the only thing is that, you know, I know that you're with, with this, it's about foundations. And, and one of the things I, I would say to students is that it, it, it really is a fabulous career because, um, there are so many different ways you can, you can take, um, you know, your career going forward. So getting the foundations right now, so important so that you can then just see what doorways open up. So, you know, the, the career pathway that I have taken and where I am now, you know, it never occurred to me when I was at uni that I would go and do a PhD. It never occurred to me that I would work in women's health. Those were things that I, I hadn't even considered when I walked out the door when I graduated. So there's lots and lots and lots that you can do. But right mm. now you've got the opportunity to really kind of lay down that um, those skills that can be transferred into any area that you choose to practice because um you know they're, they're trying you know they're, they're universal critical thinking good communication skills doesn't matter if you're going to be a researcher you're going to be a teacher you're going to be a um a clinician 
in a hospital or a private practice, their, their skills that in all of those jobs are really, really, really vital. And mm. the knowledge, the specific curriculum or knowledge, that's things that you can go back into a postgrad degree or, you know, get a really good mentor and learn. But those those other skills, they they transfer across all the different areas. Wise words. And it's like investment. It's like financial investment. You don't necessarily know what you're going to be spending your money on and your wealth on the, in the future as you invest and, and develop good money habits and and work, right? Just, it's no different. You're building this wealth of knowledge and experience and really transferable skills in a health professions degree. You may not even work as a health professional. You might be a manager. It could be a managerial role. There's so many broad career directions you can take. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're sort of all snowed under and thinking about your next assessment, have hope. There's a good reason you're doing this. You're very lucky to be studying a, a career such as this. There's so many. I mean, Sarah Ward um, was on the, a couple of episodes before this one will go to air. And so, so Sarah was talking about the, all the countries she's been to and all the different roles in research, education, and um, as a practitioner. And in 12 years of practice, it's not that long. And she's done so much stuff and so have you as well, Jody. So have hope, listener. It is worth it. And and if you're more experienced or graduate or more experienced practitioner, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you're listening to a podcast like this, you're obviously reflective and you're thinking about um, beyond just, you know, the the immediate problems in front of you. So you're thinking a bit more broadly about your career. So we're probably preaching to the choir, but it is an excellent career. Very much. That's a good way to finish, isn't it? On a positive note. We always finish on a positive note. So, <laughs> Jody, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Luke. So, uh, everyone, like, share, subscribe, all those good things. That really helps us get these episodes out to other people who might find them really interesting as well. If you've got this far, obviously you've found it interesting so far. So, please share and please let me know what you think via at Periton Physio. So you can DM or send a tweet, share the episode or at Luke Periton on Twitter and other social media. So until next time, this is Jody and Luke wishing you all the very best with your studying, professional development and lifelong learning.